0: Part One of the Life of Saint Anthony, by Saint Athanasius. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Afoltyos. The Life of Saint Anthony, by Saint Athanasius, translated by Reverend H. Ellershaw. Part One. The Life and Conversation of Our Holy Father Anthony written and sent to the monks in foreign parts by our father among the saints asynasius bishop of alexandria asynasius the bishop to the brethren in foreign parts you have entered upon a noble rivalry with the monks of egypt by your determination either to equal or surpass them in your training in the way of virtue for by this time there are monasteries among you and the name of monk receives public recognition with reason therefore all men will approve this determination, and in answer to your prayers, God will give its fulfillment. Now, since you ask me to give you an account of the blessed Anthony's way of life, and are wishful to learn how he began the discipline, who and what manner of man he was previous to this, how he closed his life, and whether the things told of him are true, that you also may bring yourself to imitate him. I very readily accepted your behest, for to me also the bare recollection of Anthony is a great accession of help, and I know that you, when you have heard, apart from your admiration of the man, will be wishful to emulate his determination, seeing that for monks the life of Anthony is a sufficient pattern of discipline. Wherefore, do not refuse credence to what you have heard from those who brought tidings of him, but think rather that they have told you only a few things, for at all events they scarcely can have given circumstances of so great import in any detail. And because I, at your request, have called to mind a few circumstances about him, and shall send as much as I can tell in a letter, do not neglect to question those who sail from here, for possibly when all have told their tale, the account will hardly be in proportion to his merits. On account of this, I was desirous when I received your letter, to send for certain of the monks, those especially who were wont to be more frequently with him, that if I could learn any fresh details, I might send them to you but since the season for sailing was coming to an end and the letter carrier urgent i hastened to write to your pity what i myself know having seen him many times and what i was able to learn from him for i was his attendant for a long time and poured water on his hands in all points being mindful of the truth that no one should disbelieve through hearing too much nor on the other hand by hearing too little should despise the man One, anthony you must know was by descent an egyptian His parents were of good family, and possessed considerable wealth, and as they were Christians, he also was reared in the same faith. In infancy, he was brought up with his parents, knowing naught else but them and his home. But when he was grown and arrived at boyhood, and was advancing in years, he could not endure to learn letters, not caring to associate with other boys. But all his desire was, as it is written of Jacob, to live a plain man at home. With his parents he used to attend the Lord's house, and neither as a child was he idle, nor when older did he despise them, but was both obedient to his father and mother, and attentive to what was read, keeping in his heart what was profitable in what he heard. And though as a child brought up in moderate affluence, he did not trouble his parents for varied or luxurious fare, nor was this a source of pleasure to him but contempt simply was what he found, nor sought anything further. 2. After the deaths of his father and mother, he was left alone with one little sister. His age was about eighteen or twenty, and on him the care both of home and sister rested. Now it was not six months after the deaths of his parents, and going according to custom, into the Lord's house, he communed with himself, and reflected as he walked how the apostles left all and followed the Saviour. And how they in the Acts sold their possessions, and brought and laid them at the apostles' feet, for distribution to the needy. And what and how great hope was laid up for them in heaven. Pondering over these things, he entered the church, and it happened the gospel was being read. And he heard the Lord saying to the rich man, If thou wouldst be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and come follow me, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Anthony, as though God had put him in mind of the saints, and the passage had been read on his account, went out immediately from the church, and gave the possessions of his forefathers to the villagers. They were three hundred acres, productive and very fair, that they shouldn't be no more a clog upon himself and his sister, and all the rest that was movable he sold. And having got together much money, he gave it to the poor, Reserving a little, however, for his sister's sake. 3. And again, as he went into the church, hearing the Lord say in the gospel, Be not anxious for the morrow, he could stay no longer, but went out and gave those things also to the poor. Having committed his sister to known and faithful virgins, and put her into a convent to be brought up, he henceforth devoted himself outside his house to discipline, taking heed to himself, and training himself with patience. For there were not yet so many monasteries in Egypt, and no monk at all knew of the distant desert. But all who wished to give heed to themselves, practiced a discipline in solitude near their own village. Now there was then in the next village an old man who had lived the life of a hermit from his youth up. Anthony, after he had seen this man, imitated him in piety and at first he began to abide in places outside the village then if he heard of a good man anywhere like the prudent bee he went forth and sought him nor turned back to his own palace until he had seen him and he returned having got from the good man as it were supplies for his journey in the way of virtue so dwelling there at first he confirmed his purpose not to return to the abode of his fathers nor to the remembrance of his king's fall, but to keep all his desire and energy for perfecting his discipline he worked however with his hands having heard he who is idle let him not eat and part he spent on bread and part he gave to the needy and he was in constant prayer knowing that a man ought to pray in secret unceasingly for he had given such heed to what was read that none of the things that were written fell from him to the ground but he remembered all and afterwards his memory served him for books Four thus conducting himself anthony was beloved by all he subjected himself in sincerity to the good men whom he visited and learned thoroughly where each surpassed him in zeal and discipline he observed the graciousness of one the unceasing prayer of another he took knowledge of another's freedom from anger and another's loving-kindness he gave heed to one as he watched to another as he studied one he admired for his endurance another for his fasting and sleeping on the ground The meekness of one and the long-suffering of another he watched with care while he took note of the piety towards christ and the mutual love which animated all thus filled he returned to his own place of discipline and henceforth would strive to unite the qualities of each and was eager to show in himself the virtues of all with others of the same age he had no rivalry save this only that he should not be second to them in higher things and this he did so as to hurt the feelings of nobody, but made them rejoice over him. So all they of that village, and the good men in whose intimacy he was, when they saw that he was a man of this sort, used to call him God-beloved, and some welcomed him as a son, others as a brother. 5. But the devil who hates and envies what is good could not endure to see such a resolution in a youth, but endeavoured to carry out against him what he had been wont to affect against others. First of all, he tried to lead him away from the discipline, whispering to him the remembrance of his wealth, care for his sister, claims of kindred, love of money, love of glory, the various pleasures of the table, and the other relaxations of life, and at last, the difficulty of virtue and the labor of it. He suggested also the infirmity of the body, and the length of the time. In a word, he raised in his mind great dust of debate, wishing to debar him from his settled purpose, but when the enemy saw himself to be weak for Anthony's determination, and that he rather was conquered by the other's firmness, overthrown by this great face, and falling through his constant prayers, then at length putting his trust in the weapons which are in the navel of his belly, and boasting in them, for they are his first snare for the young, he attacked the young man, disturbing him by night and harassing him by day, so that even the onlookers saw the struggle which was going on between them. The one would suggest foul thoughts, and the other counter them with prayers. The one fire him with lush, the other as one who seemed to blush, fortify his body with face, prayers and fasting. And the devil, unhappy wit, one night even took upon him the shape of a woman, and imitated all her acts, simply to beguile Anthony. But he, his mind filled with Christ and the nobility inspired by him, and considering the spirituality of the soul, quenched the cold of the other's deceit. Again the enemy suggested the ease of pleasure, but he, like a man, filled with rage and grief, turned his thoughts to the threatened fire and the gnawing worm, and setting these in array against his adversary, passed through the temptation unscathed. All this was a source of shame to his foe, for he, deeming himself like God, was now mocked by a young man and he who boasted himself against flesh and blood was being put to flight by a man in the flesh for the lord was working with anthony the lord who for our sake took flesh and gave the body victory over the devil so that all who truly fight can say not i but the grace of god which was with me six at last when the dragon could not even thus overthrow anthony but saw himself thrust out of his heart, gnashing his teeth as it is written, and as it were beside him, he appeared to Antony like a black boy, taking a visible shape in accordance with the colour of his mind, and cringing to him, as it were, he plied him with thoughts no longer, for guileful as he was, he had been worsted, but at last spoke in human voice and said, Many I deceived, many I cast down, but now attacking thee and thy labours, as I had many others, I proved weak. When Anthony asked, Who art thou who speakest thus with me? He answered with lamentable voice, I am the friend of Hordom, and have taken upon me incitements, which lead to it against Ion. I am called the spirit of lust. How many have I deceived, who wished to live soberly? How many are the chaste, whom by my incitements I have over-persuaded? I am he who on account of whom also the prophet reproves those who have fallen saying ye have been caused to err by the spirit of whoredom for by me they have been tripped up i am he who have so often troubled thee and have so often been overthrown by thee but anthony having given thanks to the lord whose good curse said to him thou art very despicable then for thou art black-hearted and weak as a child henceforth i shall have no trouble from thee for the lord is my helper and i shall look down on mine enemies having heard this the black one straightway fled, shuddering at the words, and dreading any longer even to come near the man. 7. This was Anthony's first struggle against the devil. Or rather, this victory was the Saviour's work in Anthony, who condemned sin in the flesh, that the ordinance of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But neither did Anthony, although the evil one had fallen, henceforth relax his care, and despise him. Nor did the enemy, as though conquered, tease to lay snares for him. For again he went round as a lion, seeking some occasion against him. But Anthony, having learned from the Scriptures, that the devices of the devil are many, zealously continued the discipline, reckoning that though the devil had not been able to deceive his heart by bodily pleasure, he would endeavour to ensnare him by other means. For the demon loves sin, Wherefore, more and more he repressed the body, and kept it in subjection, lest haply, having conquered on one side, he should be dragged down on the other. He therefore planned to accustom himself to a severer mode of life, and many marveled, but he himself used to bear the labour easily, for the eagerness of soul, through the length of time it had abode in him, had wrought a good habit in him, so that taking but little initiation from others... He shewed great zeal in this matter. He kept vigil to such an extent that he often continued the whole night without sleep, and this not once, but often, to the marvel of other. He ate once a day after sunset, sometimes once in two days, and often even in four. His food was bread and salt, his drink water only. Of flesh and wine it is superfluous even to speak, since no such thing was found with the other earnest men. A rush mat served him to sleep upon, and for the most part he lay upon the bare ground. He would not anoint himself with oil, saying it behoved young men to be earnest in training, and not to seek what would enervate the body. But they must accustom it to labor, mindful of the apostle's words, When I am weak, then I am strong. For, he said, the fiber of the soul is then sound when the pleasures of the body are diminished, and he had come to this truly wonderful conclusion, that progress in virtue, and retirement from the world for the sake of it, ought not to be measured by time, but by desire, and fixity of purpose. He at least gave no thought to the past, but day by day, as if he were at the beginning of his discipline, applied greater pairs for advancement, often repeating to himself the saying of Paul, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before. He was also mindful of the words spoken by the prophet Elias, The Lord lives before, whose presence I stand today. For he observed that in saying today the prophet did not compute the time that had gone by, but daily, as though ever commencing, he eagerly endeavored to make himself fit to appear before God, being pure in heart, and ever ready to submit to his counsel, and to him alone, and he used to say to himself that from the life of the great Elias, the hermit ought to see his own as in a mirror. End of Part 1